the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Welcome to our listeners. So many of us are wondering about the integrity of this upcoming election. What about mail-in voting? Will there be voter fraud? Will my vote be counted or will it be stuffed in a box somewhere or lost? What is ballot harvesting? These are some of the questions our guest today, Ruth Weiss, of the Election Integrity Project is going to answer. Ruth Weiss is the Vice President and Legislative Oversight Coordinator for the Election Integrity Project. This is a nonpartisan group of U.S. citizen volunteers that are dedicated to defending the integrity of the voting process that protects our most fundamental right, the right to choose our representatives by fair and honest elections. Think how important that is to our whole country. Welcome, Ruth. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully, and thank you so much for having me. And it's so good to be with you today, Ruth. I've heard you speak before. We know you. Uh, We're so impressed with your hard work, your dedication, your accomplishments, and your efforts to guard the integrity integrity of our elections. Um, Just tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you started doing this, and how you got into it. Well, it's, it's actually kind of difficult for me to remember way back in the beginning how what the past was. Um, my father was a U.S. history teacher, and he believed very strongly in uh, the, the founding principles of the country, and he taught with primary documents. And so I had that atmosphere growing up, and he was also very involved in politics, so I would sit and listen to all of the wonderful discussions he had with his colleagues, uh, a lot of whom were not not looking at a biblical view as my dad did. And so it was kind of ingrained in, in my nature and in my nurture. And then um, as, as I did my career in teaching, I, I didn't really have a lot of time to be uh, super involved in politics. It was kind of a little bit off to the side. And when I retired, uh, I just heard about this organization that had recently been founded 
And uh, they were founded in December of 2010. And by uh, February of the next year, I was working for them. And it just kind of became a natural flow. And I'm very interested and involved now. The more I've seen about what we have discovered through our research and, and our observer documentation, that we're, we really need a lot of work to, to return the voice of California people back to the people. And that's, that's kind of where I am now. And you've been doing this for about... 10 years with the Election Integrity Project, correct? Correct. Uh, I got involved in February of 2011, so and the, the organization is going now on completing its 10th year. Well, that's certainly a biblical principle, integrity, and I think your brief story that you've briefly shared about your father and so on is, is uh, inspiring, and the fact that you've been at this for even close to 10 years with all the obstacles, I think, really speaks well to the virtue of persistence as well, which is our actually our fam- family motto, persistence is all. But anyway, back to this election. Um, is this election going to be fair in your view? I mean, how big is the cheating factor going to be? Just bring us up to date a little bit on the latest on this election, which is involves mail-in voting and in the midst of COVID and all that. So what's what's the overall picture of this election? I think the overall picture is that a lot of doors nationwide are being opened to the potential of fraud and manipulation. How much of that is actually going to happen, of course, is is anyone's guess. And unfortunately, um, finding out how much actually happened is, is virtually impossible. So much of election fraud is pretty much invisible and impossible to, to, to know that it happened. And so, um, you can only guess, but when you open the doors by uh, loosening laws that are protective and, and, and reasonable and just kind of go crazy like California and some other states, but California has really opened a lot of doors for fraud in, in just the decisions that they've made about how to hold this election. And they're using uh, the current situation with COVID as an excuse, uh, which we believe is, is an unreasonable uh, reaction to what's going on. But the fact that that we and other states have expanded even further the vote-by-mail situation is very problematic and troublesome, especially states like California and Nevada that have decided they're just going to automatically mail every single person on the voter rolls a ballot. You don't, we don't have clean voter rolls, and we have, by, by a very conservative estimate, at least a half a million people on California's rolls that we know to be either deceased or moved out of the state, and yet they're still on our, our rolls, and a ballot will be mailed to their last known address. That's big concern because now there's a half a million ballots out there, minimum, that somebody else could scoop up and vote in that person's name. And now that the Secretary of State has loosened, practically eliminated signature verification standards, uh, it'll be very easy to get a fraudulent ballot through. So we are very concerned about about that and a lot of other situations as well. Wow. Well, in light of the fact that everyone is going to receive a mail-in ballot, what do you recommend for the very best things that people can do in light of that? Uh, it, it, it's better to vote in person, isn't it? Isn't that true? Um, yes, it is, and it's really hard to get people to understand that because for 22 years now in California, there has been a concerted effort and move by by all of the political parties, by all of the uh, state 
authorities, everybody, the registrars of voters, telling people, vote by bill, vote by mail, it's safe, it's wonderful, it's cool. And, and we have heard that mantra so often that we just kind of play it in our heads and say, oh, okay, this is the right way to vote. But in reality, it's it's very risky. And I'm not trying to say in any way, shape, or form that if you, if you vote by mail that somehow your vote's not going to get counted. But what I'm trying to say is that the opportunities for manipulation, if you use that vote by mail ballot, are, are considerably higher. And I just wouldn't want to take my precious voice as represented in my vote and subject it to something when there's a safer way to do it. So what we recommend that people do is uh, take their ballot to their polling place, which we still have in California for this election. Every single person has the right to vote in person if they want to. They take that vote-by-mail ballot that they receive to the polling place and they surrender it, not turn it in. And then that people are having a hard time understanding the distinction. We don't want you to use that ballot at all. We want you to take it and surrender it and have them mark it surrendered and destroy it in front of you so it can't be used and then give you a same-day paper ballot that you can mark and safely put in a, um, a sealed box, which will come out of that sealed box and go right into the counting machine. There's hardly any way anybody can mess with an in-person ballot. But when you're voting by mail, once it gets to the registrar's office, there's all kinds of processing. It goes through hands. It goes through so many levels of manipulation and signature verification and other kinds of verification. And a lot of those vote-by-mail ballots either get crumpled or destroyed in the processing or by the voter, you know, inadvertently when he, when he uh, makes it out or turns it in. And the, all of those ballots have to be copied over. So the, the ballot that's counted in your name may not be the one you actually marked. And you have to trust whoever's copying them over to do it right. And there's just so many things that could go wrong. So we don't want you to use that vote-by-mail ballot. We want you to vote in person. That's the best way to do it if you can. And uh, we like to ask churches and other groups that are eager to get out the vote to offer people rights to the polls. Uh-huh. Um, instead of, here, give me your ballot and let me turn it in for you, offer them a ride to the polls to help them out. Um, that would be our number one choice because it is a much safer way to vote. And there are going to be at least four days that you can right, do that now. Right. That's right. This election. Is it, is it fair to say... Four days. So that to review, it's better to vote in person. You take your mail-in ballot. You go to your polling place, and you can find out from the Depart- Department of Elections if you don't know where your polling place is. Uh, but it should be marked on your ballot, shouldn't it? On the yes, ballot yes, information yes, book. Information okay, so you book. take it. You take that mail-in ballot. You go to your polling place. You surrender it at the polling place. You have them mark it as surrendered or void. They give you a paper ballot. You mark that ballot, and then they put it in the sealed box, and then it's secure. So our just to reiterate for our listeners, that's what you do, and you Perfectly make sure said. that it's done. So that's perfectly it, said. And there are four days in which you can go to the in-person ballot place. Uh, that's October thirty-first through November third. Is that right? That is correct. Um, those people who uh, prefer to vote at the registrar's office. 
that opportunity to vote in person by surrendering and getting a, a real paper ballot that will count as a same-day ballot actually starts even two days earlier than that. So if you don't want to wait all the way until the 31st, you can go in on the 29th at the registrar's office in Kearney Mesa to do that. Otherwise, the four days between Halloween and November 3rd would be open for your uh, polling place that's closest to you uh, to do that. And you can also... Um, uh, think about going during one of the first two days so that there won't be so many people to to, uh, to contend with, that the traffic will be lighter. Uh, during the, the last two days, particularly on Election Day, there'll be a lot of traffic through those locations for people who are going to use their vote-by-mail ballot and they want to turn it in at the poll. So you're going to be having a lot of people just turning in their ballots there and you'll fight with those crowds. So I'd go early. And, and do it that way. Now, if you have to use that ballot, or if you still choose to use that ballot, then we want to make sure that you're going to turn it in as safely as you possibly can. And that means don't put it in the U.S. mail. Just be sure you don't mail your ballot back. Right. Make right. sure that you turn it in safely to one of the drop boxes that, uh, that you also can find out where they are when you get your ballot. Uh, they're very uh, conveniently no- located through all neighborhoods. Uh, and and that, if you at the very least turn at the very, very least do that, Ruth. I want to try to squeeze one other quick question in before our break, and that has to do with ballot harvesting, uh, because we know that there are some churches in this cycle. One example is Pastor Jack Hibbs Church in Riverside County, where they're planning on doing ballot harvesting. I know the Democratic Party did a lot of it in 2018, so. What do you think about churches getting involved, not only in taking people to the polls, but what about getting involved in ballot harvesting? I think it's very important that people of faith uh, understand their responsibility uh, biblically to vote. It is their responsibility to do this. And uh, we are woefully uh, low percentage of, of Christians who are even registered let alone voting. And if the, the community of faith would get out and cast their ballots according to biblical principles and their conscience, we'd be in a lot better shape. So I applaud churches' efforts to try to get them, the, the congregations out to vote in any way they possibly can. We're not real thrilled about ballot harvesting, but we understand the need to do it. And so as long as you really trust your organization, I would say go for it. Get those ballots in. Thank you, Ruth. It's just time for a very short break. We're going to be right back with Ruth Weiss of the Election Integrity Project with some other big questions. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K-Praise. We are talking with Ruth Weiss, Vice President of the Election Integrity Project, about how to make sure our votes count and do everything we can to prevent voter fraud. And from the discussion right before the break, it's not only voter fraud, but if we don't vote in person, it seems like there's so many opportunities. We don't have to review again, but so many opportunities for things to go wrong, so to speak. But, Ruth, right now I'd like to talk about the status of some lawsuits uh, your group has been involved in. Now, first tell us about a lawsuit that went in your favor a few months ago involving L.A. County cleaning up the voter rolls 
And then after you tell us about that, tell us about any other ongoing lawsuits that Election Integrity Projects is involved in. The lawsuit we filed against Los Angeles County and the Secretary of State California was based on the fact that California for about 20 years uh, has not been uh, following federal law to keep the voter rolls clean. So basically our rolls have been extremely unmaintained, which is why we have that number of deceased people on the voter rolls, people who have moved out of the state, et cetera. And they just haven't done anything uh, much to clean those rolls. Now, from county to county, that's different. Some counties do a better job of cleaning than others. But Los Angeles County was um, about 146% of the eligible population by number was registered to vote. So that, that doesn't even make oh, sense. Oh, wow, that's shocking. So, um, yeah, and it's shocking because of the number of, of counties who are in, in excess of 100% of eligible registration and the number who are in excess of 90%, which is still very unreasonable. So uh, we selected Los Angeles because they are the largest uh, county in the nation and their population uh, makes them bigger than 42 states in the nation. So we thought, well, if we could clean L.A. up, that would be a good uh, good way to start. But in addition, uh, the Secretary of State was involved so that when we won that uh, lawsuit and they said, you have to start following federal law to clean the voter rolls, um, that meant that the Secretary of State was required to then instruct every other county to follow suit and, and rewrite the manual by which they do that. So it was a good win. It's, it's only a beginning. It still takes a cycle of about eight years to get the people who shouldn't be there completely off. So it's not an overnight fix. And also, L.A. County has been dragging its feet and getting trying to get away with as much as they can. So the battle, the battle was won, but the war is not over. But it was a good start. What we have going now is a lawsuit uh, against Fresno uh, County because uh, we're trying to get what we're trying to find out what the policies and procedures are in each county for observers and for a lot of other processes that they do. And this is public information. They owe that to us. And they have refused to uh, to give us that information when we filed the open records request. So we have a lawsuit against Fresno for, for that denial of public information. We have a lawsuit against um, Ventura County because they're denying uh, observers the right to observe. And we have a very strong codified right to observe in California and they have simply denied that, and, and we're trying to hold them accountable for that. The first hearing went, did not go in our favor, but we are in appellate court with that one, and we expect to, uh, to win. And that will have implications for every other county to say, you can't stop observers from, from exercising the rights that they're given. Um, we have, uh, those are the ones that are active. We have some in, in the queue uh, as soon as we can uh, know that we can fund them. And, and a lot of those, again, are against Los Angeles County because L.A. is just incredibly rogue and they need to be brought under control for the benefit of, of the, all of the citizens of California, <laughs> but certainly the citizens of Los Angeles to feel that they can trust their electoral process. So um, there's a lot uh, yet to be done. Wow, I really... I applaud you for doing that, holding them accountable, these counties that feel like they don't need to follow the law. And and we as the public need to step up. We need to insist that our rights are honored. And I really applaud you for doing that. Uh, what is the status of San Diego County about? Do you know? Is, is it pretty good at keeping up its 
roles? San Diego has a really good registrar, and I honestly believe he is doing everything under the sun that he can, And but he still is, is handcuffed by the, the liberalness of the law and the federal law. Uh, so it's hard to get somebody off the voters. We certainly don't want anybody taken off who shouldn't be taken off, and they should exercise great caution with that. However, um, his hands are tied in, in terms of if I report to him that there is someone receiving election materials at my address, and I've never heard of that person, and that person has never resided at my address, he cannot remove them from the voter rolls. Only the voter himself can do that. So there are a lot of reasons why it's difficult to clean someone off who should be off. But San Diego is in, in very good shape in terms of having a, 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 a process and a, a registrar who, who I think really believes in fair and honest elections and is, is doing everything he can. He also really believes in our right to vote in person, which some counties are trying to make more difficult. Oh, that's good. He also believes he also believes in our right to observe. So I think our county may be the only one where our observers do not run into uh, roadblocks. Well, we really year, appreciate so. your efforts to keep the counties uh, accountable, and so it just proves the the point that we need to help provide oversight. And I believe that you train volunteers to help do that. That's the that's the we best do. next topic, Ruth. So can I assume then, I don't like to assume things, but can I assume you're still looking for volunteers? And if someone does volunteer, what can they expect to be doing? Thank you. Yes, we are always looking for volunteers. Um, we need to observe those polling locations, especially this year because everything's brand new. Nobody's going to have done this before in this particular fashion. And so we need to make sure that, that we are there to be the backup for these poll workers, make sure that the laws are followed and that voters are not disenfranchised or, uh, you know, given bum advice. So because this is a very confusing situation for everybody. And then uh, we also, because so many of the ballots are going to be those vote-by-mail ballots, we need people there watching when they process them, when they when they open them, when they duplicate them, when they uh, look at the signatures, and make sure that we hold them accountable to the procedures and, and the accuracy of what they're doing. So we do train you this year. All the training is virtual. I do it live online. So if, if they go to our website, which is www.eip-ca.com, and go up to the Take Action tab, uh, after you click on California, because you get to the landing page, you'll see that there are three other states under our umbrella. So click on California, then go up to the Take Action tab, and you'll find a way to sign up for training for both of those observations. They're two separate kinds of training. The training for poll observing is going to be posted up there today or tomorrow. The ballot processing training has been going on this month, and we have three more trainings uh, this coming week. If you miss out on those, we're going to train for that again right after Election Day because we've got 30 days after Election Day of ballot processing that we need people there to observe. Oh, wow. So volunteers can go to electionintegrityproject.com, see what's available as far as spots and training, and get the training. Uh, go and get your assignment and help out with making sure that this election is secure. Uh, I have, right, and there are other ways to volunteer, too. The, uh, the website is eip-ca.com. eip, one more time. ca.com. Excellent. Got it. Uh, one more question in the time remaining, and that is, 
What would your ideal rules for election be? You know, I worked with uh, Phyllis Schlafly a little bit back in the 90s. She said our election should be as secure as our money. We should have really secure voting machines like ATM machines or, uh, you know, just ways to keep it really, really secure. We should definitely have ID checks. So in your opinion, you know, you... I would I would think that you agree with this, and you have some other ideas of your own. I think the the, the kiss principle. Keep it simply simple. You know, keep it very simple, uh, because when you start getting all this technology involved, uh, then you start wondering who's messing around with the technology and is it rigged and all that. So. Um, the first thing I would do, of course, is institute a, a strong but reasonable voter ID. And we need a photo ID. We need the state to help people who can't get their ID very easily because of lost records or whatever. But everyone who wants to vote should should have a, an ID. And Absolutely. it should be required whether you're voting by mail or uh, in person. Secondly, we need to go back to the absentee ballot and get away from the uh, anybody who wants to can vote by mail, especially the permanent thing. That's devastating to election integrity. And even presidential commissions have made that determination. So we need to go back to the absentee ballot, which is every election you need one, you apply for it, and you meet the qualifications for it. Otherwise, get up off your couch and go vote in person. I really like that Those idea of keep it simple. Keep deal. it simple. Yeah. Thank, yep. Thanks so much, Ruth. You've, I think you've really given us in very clear form what we need to do to do our best to make sure our votes and other people's votes are counted. Thanks so much, Ruth, for being with us today. And by the way, that's eip-ca.com. To bless your neighbor this week, pray, please pray about our upcoming elections and pray for the Election Integrity Project. Volunteer. Let's be active. It's the most important election in history. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Next week on Biblical Citizen Let's Roll, we're going to be discussing another very important topic, vaccines. Till then, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibilities to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.